Hey, Nashin here, and I'm glad you've tuned into the Morning Groove podcast. And my guest today is a guy that's got a lot of history in Las Vegas and some politicians and celebrities in his past and all kind of great things. His name is Bruce Marin. He is a big fan of the radio station. I want to thank you for coming in. Hey, Bruce. Listen, I love, I said listen, which is interesting. I love KUNV. As you know, I have it on every morning in my office. My office is on Decatur and Flamingo, yeah. but you you are my favorite, and you do such a great job, and I love the music and everything about it. And yes, when it comes to history of Vegas, I owe everything to Las Vegas, so happy well, to be here. Give the listeners the short course on where you were born and how you got to Las Vegas. Sure. Well, I was born, as they say, back there, Louisville, and my first sports client was Muhammad Ali, so he loved that I was born in Louisville. Our family moved here, uh, John, in 1956. Mm -hmm. I was in junior high going to John C. Fremont Junior High. My best friend was uh, Bob Miller, the future governor, but the way that I wear everything to Vegas, my dad ran the Flamingo Hotel. He was the executive VP and general manager of the Flamingo, and thanks to him, I was in junior high. They took me to every big show sure. in, in the 50s. So I was in the front row to see Sammy Davis and mm-hmm. Judy Garland and Ella Fitzgerald and Lena Horne, uh, Frank Sinatra, on, on and on. Was your dad still there in the 60s? No, we were here two full years. And the reason we left, because we loved Vegas and my dad loved it, my dad was in the owners meetings every month here mm-hmm. in Vegas with all the people like right. Mo Dalitz. Yeah. And after two years here, even though my dad never did anything <laughs> nefarious, but he knew so much, he was very worried yeah. having three sons that he knew too much. Mm-hmm. So after two amazing years in Vegas, we moved to Sherman Oaks, California. But okay. the two years I'll never forget in Vegas. The reason I ask is my favorite album ever was recorded at the Sands, and it's Sinatra and Basie live at the Sands. Oh, I'll never forget the first time mom and dad took me to see Frank Sinatra. I was young enough. I was in junior high, but I love Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. And he and Sammy were probably, and Judy Garland, I say those three were were my three favorites. But at the Sands Hotel, John, oh my God, yes. You know, I worked in the showrooms as a drummer and percussionist for many years. And the only time I remember truly being speechless is when somebody introduced me and I shook hands with Frank. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, this is Frank Sinatra. Yes, no, I agree. I'm such a big fan. I love all of his music, and I'm old enough that I still have all of his (laughs) albums, his LPs, Yeah. Uh, but Frank Sinatra was just incredible. Well, yeah, and one of my connections to the Sinatra and Basie is that the arranger was Quincy Jones for all that. How many Grammys? Over 70. Oh, yeah, and and Quincy was the third trumpet player in my grandfather's big band in Chicago when Quincy was like in his 20s. That is amazing. By the way, go Bears. I had to say that. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) They laid down the law. Justin Fields said, if you bring in that quarterback from Ohio State, I want to be traded. Mm -hmm. So the Bears kept him and the guy from Ohio State went elsewhere. Yeah, I like what they've done. Uh, I do, too. they got D.J. Moore to receive his passes. So Wonderful. We'll see. So now, you moved to Sherman Oaks. When did you come back to Las Vegas? I've been back 31 years now because Las Vegas was always in my heart. Mm-hmm. Those two years when I was in junior high and when I got to see all the entertainment. In fact, you'll mm-hmm. get a kick because you're such a great entertainer. You're one of the best drummers in the world. 
this is what changed my life in entertainment. When mom and dad took me to the sands to see Sammy Davis Jr. and I was in the eighth grade at the mm-hmm. time, John. So I sat in the front row and Sammy sang Mr. Bojangles. And at the end, because it was my mom and dad, they took me backstage and I, I was starstruck, but I shook Sammy's hand yeah. and I said, Mr. Davis, I know now that I want to work in entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, so Sammy Davis literally had a part of my life. I had something happen backstage at Caesars with Sammy that is still one of the funniest things I've ever experienced. We were talking in a group of people and Sammy was standing nearby and one of the guys says, does somebody have change for a 20? And Sammy walked up and said, baby, a 20 is change. (laughs) That is a great line. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. That is a great line. And because you mentioned Frank Sinatra and we're both big, big fans, Frank has different images with some people. Mm -hmm. He was very generous. I'll just share a quick story. My dad, when we moved to California, uh, produced a show called Sports Challenge. Mm -hmm. But one of his clients and one of my clients was Sugar Ray Robinson, the great, great fighter. So here's the Frank story. We did the telethon to raise money for Sugar Ray's Youth Foundation Mm -hmm. in California. We got Johnny Carson to be the host. And anyway, Dad and I, and it was more dad than me, I was I was probably in my young 20s, we went to Frank Sinatra and we said, Frank, would you help support the telethon for Sugar Ray Robinson? He took out his checkbook and wrote a check for $25,000, mm-hmm. but he said only one thing, I don't want to take any credit on this, it's for Sugar Ray, but I don't need the notoriety, mm-hmm. this is for Sugar Ray, but that's a oh, that's Frank great. Sinatra yeah. story. Well, Frank was good about that stuff. I mean, I've, I've always told people, Frank is one of the main reasons why the black entertainers were allowed to live on the strip and eat on the strip because he went to the bosses at the Sands and said, if Sammy can't live here, I can't work here. And I heard you tell that story on your morning show because I Mm -hmm. listened and it really touched my heart because at the Flamingo where my dad ran the Flamingo, Pearl Bailey was a very big star Mm -hmm. there and she headlined and she used to come to our home and she was so sad because she could never live at the Flamingo Hotel. And the first day that she finally got to sleep as a headliner at the Flamingo, we were all there with her and she was crying, John, like a baby. She says, I cannot believe that I can finally stay Mm -hmm. at the Flamingo where I headlined. But your story on your show, that was amazing. One of the funny things about the segregated era on the Strip is that the Fletcher Henderson band from many years ago, Gerald Wilson was in the band and they were all black guys in the band Mm -hmm. and they played the Flamingo Lounge and they just kind of walked in the front door and nobody stopped them. He said, we didn't know any better. That's amazing. When I interviewed Gerald, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And it was funny because he, he didn't come back here for like 50 years. We brought him in for a concert with the Jazz Society and I drove him down the strip and he just couldn't believe what he was seeing. I mean, you and I have seen a lot of the growth. I moved here almost 46 years ago, 48 years ago, Yes, when there were 170,000 people in the whole valley. Yes, yes. And you had to do a lot of walking to get from the sands to the Tropicana with nowhere to go inside for a while. No, you're right. And, And I'll share, because again, it was so nice that you shared that story about the black entertainers. So imagine for the people that are younger that don't understand, Sammy Davis Jr. and Lena Horne and Ella Mm -hmm. Fitzgerald and on and on, Pearl Bailey, none of them 
could could stay at the hotels well, where they headlined. One of the biggest stars in the industry at the time was Dorothy Dandridge. Yes, yes, you're and right. And she couldn't do it either. Yes, you're right. You know, it, it's amazing what the city has done to change. Yes. Mostly for the better. Yeah. And I personally think it's a little overcrowded, but that's okay. We need growth. Yes. Now, what got you into the business of, of PR and promotion and handling all these great entertainers? Yes, I am so blessed. I owe everything to my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom was a really big pioneer in public relations. So in the 1960s, John, in Hollywood, she was one of only two women that helmed a public relations entertainment firm. Oh, that's great. And, and, and she was representing a lot of big name celebrities. This was in the 60s going into the 70s. Mm -hmm. So to finish the story, when I graduated the film school from UCLA, I was working at MGM Studios and it was a great job, but my mom called me and said, Bruce, I know you're happy at MGM, but if you think about joining me at the studio, because she had an office at General Service Studio, a big movie mm -hmm. studio. So I joined my mom and literally, John, for three years, my mom taught me the entire business and one quick story that I think you'll enjoy. Yeah. Because I was a film grad, I knew all about films. So the first week I walked into my mom's office and I recognized Joan Crawford seated at my mom's desk. I knew it was Joan Crawford mm -hmm. and Joan stands up. The Oscar winner gives me a big hug. She says, Bruce, your mom is the best PR representative I've ever had. That was my introduction mm -hmm. to PR. So for three years, my mom taught me everything. So now, what does a PR, a public relations person do? What's the main responsibility? Because I know what personal management is. Yes. But what you're doing is different. Yes. Well, in public relations, to use my mom as an example, one of the clients she had was Simon & Schuster, the biggest book mm -hmm. publisher in the world. So every month, to give you an uh, idea, every month with Simon & Schuster, the biggest name author was Simon & Schuster. They were our client. Mm -hmm. So what our responsibility was, we had to write the news releases and then send them out and get as many TV and radio and newspaper and magazine interviews as we can. And then back in the day, of course, it was Johnny Carson and mm -hmm. Merv Griffin and Phil Donahue uh, and, and getting exposure for our clients in publicity. That's what it's all about. Now, of course, we have social media yeah. and a lot of other things, but I will share uh, radio and TV are my two favorites for publicity. Mine as well. Um, yeah. I, I actually, I post and I do what I need to do, but I'm not a social media fan. Yeah. Because it, it can be so misunderstood. Yes. It's like I, I had a friend that wanted to carry on a friendship via text right. and Facebook Messenger, and I said, forget it. Yes. No, I totally it, understand. It doesn't work. Yes. You know, and then uh, there was someone I know that was posting in capital letters all the time, right. and I said, do you understand why nobody replies? <laughs> right. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well... Why do you use all caps? He said, right. because I can't see that well. <laughs> I said, but people on social media think you're yelling. Exactly. No, you know, exactly. There's, there's so much protocol and, and nonsense at you, times. You are so, so right. And because I'm on, in radio, I mean, it's the most immediate media. It can happen now. I don't need a makeup artist and, and a producer and a director. And we could just do what we do. 
And I think radio is a great way to reach people. Unbelievable. And a radio story, again, going back to my mom, talking about Simon and & Schuster and the uh, celebrities like Joan mm-hmm. Crawford. We lived in Southern California when KABC Radio was the number, mm-hmm. that was the number one station, talk radio, 79 yeah. AM. So we had our clients at KABC all of the time, sure. Michael Jackson and yeah. on and on, Ken and Bob. So that was my entree into talk radio. Mm-hmm. And in LA, there was KFI radio. Yep. So. I love radio because of the live quality. Yeah. There's nothing like live radio. Oh, I know. It, it's immediate and it's now. And, you know, I always tell people, what are you going to do if there's no radio? And heaven forbid there's a disaster. Yes. Because television takes longer than we do. Right. I can get to you now. Yeah. You know, and so you've had a lot of big clients. You said Muhammad Ali. Yes. Uh, in, in sports, my first two sports clients were Muhammad Ali and Jackie Robinson. And what a blessing that was. I've also seen photos of you with Elvis. Oh, Elvis. Uh, <laughs> Elvis is certainly one of my biggest favorites. I met Elvis, John, at MGM Studios when I was there. And I think you'll get mm-hmm. a kick out of this. I was a young kid out of the film school at UCLA. The president of MGM comes up to me and says, Bruce, how would you like to have lunch in the commissary with Elvis? And I said, are you kidding? He's he's my favorite. And they said, we have a new film, and it's called Elvis on Tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, to this day, it's a really great, uh, you know, great film to see. So I walked into the commissary and met my hero, uh, Elvis, and we shook hands. And I said to him, Elvis, we're going to really get along. We're both mama's boys, because I knew that he was such (laughs) a mama's boy. Oh, yeah. So, and I've never heard a bad story about Elvis Presley. I'll tell you, he is one of the most amazing gentlemen that I've ever yeah. met. Generous, kind, mm-hmm. and so polite. The way he treated women like a Southern hospitality. Yeah. Well, so, he came into the Hilton. Yes. And it actually, it was the International then. And had never worked with a big orchestra. And he enjoyed it so much, he took them all on tour. I worked at the Golden Nugget when Joe Gershio was the oh, conductor. Yes. yes. And Joe was the piano player and conductor with Elvis. And he told me, he said, he came in and was so thrilled. He said, can you all travel with me? And they all went. And they had Amazing. a great time. Many times on the road, Elvis would buy out the top two floors of a hotel for the band. So generous. The you same know. thing on the films, because I worked with him on a lot of his films. He would give golden watches, the most beautiful yep. gifts to everybody, to the grips and the electricians. Yep. And I'll say, because you're great in the entertainment field, the trilogy is one of my favorite yep. all-time things that I've ever heard in a showroom. I remember the first time I just got goosebumps just thinking at the International, the first time I heard Elvis Mm -hmm. sing the trilogy. It is like unbelievable. There was a time when his drummer, who was Ronnie Tut at the time, Elvis found out that Ronnie was parking in the general parking garage. (laughs) So Elvis bought him a forest green Jaguar with leather interior and told the vice president of the hotel, you can't park there anymore. My drummer's going to park there. Oh, that is such a great story. <laughs> I love it. I, I love that. But yes, he was very, very uh, generous. And I have one more favorite Elvis story. Yes, it, it please. Happened. Yes. Um, I had a couple of friends that we would get together and do Christmas together when we were single guys years ago. And one Christmas, we're cooking and the doorbell rings. And I went to answer the door and there's Elvis. He's in a hat sunglasses, jeans, and a t-shirt. Wow. And he says, you got any food left? Huh. So he did Christmas with us. It was, it was a great time. That is incredible. And of course, back then, we didn't have 
iPhones with cameras. Right. So there's no pictures. I know. I know. And his <laughs> smile, right, yeah. John? His smile. Oh, yeah. just, just lit a gentleman. Up. Yeah, he. that's the word. He was yeah. a, a total gentleman, yes. And there's just so many people that have bad stories, and we know so many that have great stories. Oh, yeah. and I, You know, I, the industry's full of both. I mean, we have to admit that. There's people that take advantage of their celebrity and their notoriety sure. and their wealth. No, um, I, I, I agree. And the last thing I, I want to share with you, because when you talk about people that impacted my life, my mom was number one, but Michael Landon and Johnny Carson were mm-hmm. the other two, because I took my client, Michael Landon, when I was young, to the Carson show, and after he was done with his appearance, Johnny came backstage and said, Michael, how would you and Bruce like to come to my home in Malibu and have dinner? Nice. And, and I, yeah, I said to Michael, my God, this is incredible. So we went to Johnny Carson's home, a beautiful home right mm-hmm. on the ocean. And Johnny took out a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon and he toasts us and he says, Bruce, I think you should start a Celebrity Speakers Bureau. This is 50 mm-hmm. years ago, John, 50 years ago. And so I said, well, Johnny, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a PR guy. We do PR. He <laughs> said, well, I'll make it easy. I'm going to be your first client. And, and then Michael says, I'll be your second client. Mm-hmm. And then Ed McMahon calls me the next day. And that, that's how my Celebrity Bureau started 50 years ago. So tell us a little more about the Celebrity Bureau. Yeah, the Celebrity Bureau is so much fun for me. We mainly deal in the corporate arena with meeting planners that have big events, Mm -hmm. and for those events, they need to book a speaker or an entertainer or a performer. So for 50 years, we've been booking whoever they may wish. The other area, uh, past presidents, starting with Mm -hmm. uh, President Reagan, uh, I booked President Reagan and all of them. So depending upon what the audience needs are, we'll provide a speaker or an entertainer that'll make everybody happy. And here in Vegas, as you know, we're the number one destination travel Mm -hmm. in the uh, United States, John. Yeah, there's a couple of people I've heard speak at, at corporate events that really were amazing, and I didn't expect it from one of them. I expected it to be amazing when Colin Paul was the keynote yes, speaker yes, yes. for the National Association yes, of Home Builders. Yes. I didn't expect Terry Bradshaw to be as good as he was. Yes, and and I have booked Terry, and he's I agree brilliant. with you. Yeah, he is good. And he's he funny, is. and he's topical. His sense of humor is yeah. wonderful, so I totally agree. And listen, you being in Chicago, I share this with you, but I gotta tell you, I booked every big sports star you can name, but when I booked Walter Payton mm-hmm. in Chicago. Sweetness. Uh, sweets, oh, that was such a thrill for me, because as you know, as a fan, he he's literally one of the greatest ever, oh, ever. Yeah friend of mine was at Walter's bar in Chicago one day and Walter was there. Wow. And it was after his playing career had ended and Marty said, you know, I my son really is, is a big fan. And, you know, do you have any jerseys or anything? And he said, well, come on. He took Marty in the office, pulled out a game jersey that he had worn in a game, signed it and gave it to him. Wow. Well, that needless is... to say, Marty's son never got the jersey. Marty framed it and put it in his house. Oh, I, I don't blame him. And by the way, Mike Ditka, I booked him many mm-hmm. times, and and he's a very good speaker as well. You know, John, some of the sports stars, they may be very famous, but they're not good speakers. Right. Mike really is good, and, and whenever I booked him, people have loved him. Well, my, my experience meeting some of those big bear stars goes back to Dick Budkiss. Sure, absolutely. And I remember when I met him, my dad ran a chain of stores in Chicago called Dominic's Finer Foods. And he was friends with all the athletes. So we knew Keith Magnuson and all the hockey yes, players. Yes. We knew Butkus and all these guys. And 
you take away the uniform, the helmet, and the football, Butkus was one of the most mild-mannered people yes. I've ever met. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yet you put him on the oh, yeah. on the turf. And just get out of the way. Yeah, and he's absolutely <laughs> one of the greatest of all time, no doubt so about now, it. You do regular luncheon events, don't you? We do. Right here in Vegas, I have... Uh, Every two weeks, we have a lunch at Lowry's. That's a business networking group, mm-hmm. and I book all kinds of different speakers. And it's it's great because it's a chance for people in the business community to do business networking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been a fan of business networking and getting to meet uh, people. And is it on a set day every time? Uh, yeah, it's every two Wednesdays at, right at Lowry's, very close by to here. What Lowry's time? on Flamingo. What time do you do them? Yeah, we do that. It starts at 12 noon okay. uh, every every other Wednesday, and well, we great. love it. That's great. Yes. Yeah, because I've seen it all the time. When you post about it all the time, it's great. Great yeah, idea. A lot of fun. And it's very modestly priced. Yes, it, it definitely is. But i got to congratulate you on your drumming. How many decades? It's been decades. Um, well, yeah, I've been doing it since I was a little boy. But I did it on the strip for about 40 years in yeah. the showrooms. Amazing. You know, years with the I did some years with the Jubilee Show and... I've been on the bands with Johnny Haig at Caesars and Lou Elias at Desert Inn, Jack Eglash at Desert Inn again. I remember him well. Um, yeah, Jack was a good guy. And in fact, Jack, I met him when I first came to town. I was playing in the lounge at the Sahara. He was not only the conductor in the showroom, but vice president of the hotel of entertainment. And I went up to Jack and I introduced myself, gave him my card, said, if you ever need a drummer, I would appreciate if you would give me a, give me a call. And he said, well, you know, I've got a guy that I've been using. Of course, it was the guy he'd used for decades. He said, but if he's ever not available, I'll call you. 22 years later, wow, the phone rings. And he said, this is Jack Eglash. I said, yeah. He said, you want to work for me? That is incredible. And I said, you remember it. He said, I don't forget. What a compliment. Yeah. That is a great compliment. Yeah. And you as a great drummer, you'll appreciate this. Again, Pearl Bailey was headlining at the Flamingo. She and Louis Belson used to come to our home. And Louis yeah. is certainly one of the greatest. See, now my grandfather and Louis studied with the same teacher mm. in Chicago. Wow. Uh, and they met every Saturday after their lesson for a quick lunch. That is with amazing. With one other drummer that people heard of, Gene Krupa. Oh, my God. <laughs> two, two, absolutely two of the greatest. And us talking about Vegas, the other thing I would do a shout-out to the, the people that have know old-school Vegas, the Lounge Acts, when I was here, uh, Louis Prima and Keely mm-hmm. Smith, oh, my God, they were amazing. Yeah, and I they never, were in never, quotes Lounge Acts. I never got to see them, but I did see Sam Butera oh, with his yes. band. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When he had Sam Butera and the Witnesses and then the Wildest later on. Yes. Um, yeah, I worked in the lounge with a, a girl named Penny France, and her partner was Ann Sidney. Oh, wonderful. Originally known as the London Bells, but sure. they changed their name to Penny and Ann. That is great. Yeah, we were at the Sahara Lounge. That was my first job in Las Vegas. That is so great. And the checkmates are another, mm-hmm. in quotes, lounge act. But, you know, we, we don't really have a lot of that now. Oh, I know. I actually did a brief stint with the brothers, Tommy and Donnie. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Tommy Ronka and Donnie Moore. Amazing. Amazing. And then, uh, you know, the showcases were something else. And so many great people have been through town. So what what's coming up for you in the future? What do you want to do? You're going to retire? 
No, I here's the thing. I'm very <laughs> blessed with good genes. My mm-hmm. dad lived to be 99 wow. and a half, and mom lived to be 98 and a half. Wow. And I've never smoked. I've never taken drugs. I'm not trying to be a goody two-shoes, but that's me. So, no, I love, I'm so passionate about what I do, John, that I'll never retire. Yeah. And on the speaker side, I love that I can send people out that really impact the lives of everybody else. And on the PR side, it's so fun. And a big shout out to you, because I just talked to them, Al Sapienza and mm-hmm. Deborah Renard say a big hello to you. Oh, wow, I haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah, you were wonderful. They, they really enjoyed the interview uh, with you. And you'll get a kick talking about music. Their next show is gonna be in New Jersey, uh, 6,000 attendees with Herman and the Hermits. Oh, wow. Peter, with Peter. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. You know, there's a there was a vicious rumor circulated recently that has been debunked. Yes. Somebody said Jack Jones had passed away, and it's wrong. He's still very active. He's still very alive. I worked with Jack for a couple of years. Oh, I love Jack Jones. And it was one of the most musical periods of my career. I loved him. He was so sensitive and, and wonderful. And we played beautiful clubs and, and big places and little places. It was great. His cover of Impossible Dream was one of my favorite covers. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many so many people, Robert Goulet, but I, I was a big fan of Jack Jones. Funny story. We're yes. working at the Orleans. No. We were working out at Suncoast with the trio and Jack, and he would close the show with Impossible Dream. Oh. And he would turn his back to the audience and put on the armor plate oh. and, the, and the goatee and... And one night he looked at me after he did it, and I kind of laughed a little bit. And while we're playing the intro, he says, what's the matter? I said, dude, you look like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> that is so funny. And the impossible dream and Man of La Mancha mean the world to me because yeah. my dad was one of the producers of Man of La Mancha really? on Broadway at the Antha Theater. This was with Richard Kiley and Joan Diener, and I was there for the, the premiere. So the impossible dream, of course, for Man yeah. of La Mancha, that... That was the song that we're talking about. So your dad was a Broadway producer also? He wound up after that being a Broadway producer. Wow. Yeah, so. Because I have a true love of the Broadway musical. Oh, nothing I've, like I've it. I've played many shows and I love playing them. Uh, the first show I ever played, I was 15 years old and my teacher plopped me down in the pit to play Guys and Dolls. Oh, oh one of my favorites. Rock the Boat. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love that and show. And I remember years later, talking to him and I said, Randy, I want to thank you for putting me in the hardest show there is to play (laughs) other than West Side Story. Yeah, that's... For my first show. I said, you scared me. I, but, but musical theater, oh no, that's a great story. And yeah. musical theater, I'm, I love all forms of entertainment, but boy, mm-hmm. Broadway. And we got to give a shout out to the Smith Center. Uh, yes. Now we've got these amazing you know, musicals like Wicked and mm-hmm. you name them that are coming here. Well, and one of the unsung heroes of the Broadway show is Bill Fain. Yes, all. Oh, because he's, genius. he's never giving up. Yes. He's always trying to bring Broadway musicals to the people. I admire him so and much. I've done a lot of shows with Bill, and I've got some coming up in the future. And he just, he's got a great spirit, and he loves musicals. I love him. And, and I just flashed thinking about Vegas. I remember when Chicago, the musical, was mm-hmm. here on the Strip. And it, it, we've had some musicals on the Strip, but oh, yeah. now with the Smith Center, it's amazing. Yeah, I, well, I first met Jack Jones at the Desert Inn when he was in Guys and Dolls. Yes, absolutely. With Frank Gorshin. 
Yeah, oh, Frank Gorshin, what an entertainer. <laughs> what an entertainer. And one thing, when you mentioned Desert Inn, when I moved back here to Vegas in 91, one of the first shows was seeing Barry Manilow at mm-hmm. the Desert Inn. That was a great showroom, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I played in that room for about six years. Oh, wow. I had a blast in there. I played in there with Petula Clark. Oh, my goodness. And Downtown. a few other people, Don Rickles and a few others. That is so great. And, you know, there's another misunderstood guy. Everybody thinks Rickles is a jerk. Well, he never was. He was one of the sweetest men oh, yes. I've ever met. And and what people need to know about this guy that was so busy with the insult humor is that every week, every musician on stage and every crew member received a fifty dollar tip from Don. Yes, yes. With a hand signed note Beautiful from story. he and his wife yes. that said, Thanks for being nice to us. Yes. I, Barbara and Don Rickles. No, I love that. I love that. No, I think he he's one of the biggest comedic uh, geniuses of all time. He and Robin Williams are mm-hmm. at the top of my list. So yeah, I love Ro- him. Robin will always top my list. Yes, m- he's number one for me as well. And yes. then I I also had the pleasure of working with a comedy duo that was way ahead of their time on television. That's why they didn't succeed on TV, and that's the Smothers Brothers. Oh, I agree with you. No, they no, were no. so political and so hip that people just didn't get it at the time. I agree with you, but I'll share. When I first moved to Vegas in 91, right close to that time, you remember before the stratosphere, it mm-hmm. was uh, Vegas World? Yeah, I do. And I worked with uh, Alan and Rossi. They had a show mm-hmm. at Vegas World. Yeah. And oh, what a what a thrill that was working with them. Yeah, I played the Vegas World showroom with Bob Anderson. Whoa. He's amazing. We were in there for a long time. Bob Anderson's amazing. Wasn't his show at the Venetian good? Yes. It was. He was incredible. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many things going on. And I think the city is back in an up cycle. Yes. On the Strip. I think the entertainment's getting better. Yes. Um, I think it's a little overpriced, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really love to see Bruno Mars, but sorry. I'm not going to pay $1,000 to get oh, a decent seat. No, I, I agree. Some of the prices anyone. are are nuts. And the only thing, me, just personally speaking... The Cirque shows are good, but I wish there weren't eight Cirque shows because yeah. it takes the showrooms away from some of the great entertainers. And the Cirque shows are good. I'm not mm-hmm. knocking Cirque. It's just that I think eight is a little bit much. Well, mm-hmm. and some of the great old entertainers are still doing it. Yes. Have you seen Frankie Valley recently? Oh. He's mm. killing it. Yes. He's an 86-year-old rock and roller. Amazing. You know, I saw Barry Manilow a couple of weeks ago. It was a wonderful show. Yes, I agree with you. You know? And just so many things going on, and you're in the middle of it so much. Yes, and when you mentioned Barry, I remember having the 8-track of Barry Manilow (laughs) in our Cadillac Seville in the 80s, you know? But um, Barry Manilow, and and you know the story with Bette Midler, right? Yeah. That's how Barry started. Yes. In the bathhouses in New York with Barry playing piano. Exactly, but I agree. Some of the older guys still are really good. Frankie Valley's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. He really blew me away. I saw him... It was a funny night. I saw him at the Smith Center a couple of years ago, and they were getting close to the closing number, and he looked at his keyboard player, and he said, how long are we going to be here? He said, well, Frank, we leave tomorrow. He said, why didn't we stay longer? Because <laughs> he <laughs> that loved is, it. That is a great story. And one other, I'll just share, because I know you do a lot of things uh, with uh, South Coast, mm-hmm. uh, uh Tony Butala and the Letterman, we do PR mm-hmm. with Tony, and they still sound at, just like they yeah. did years ago. See, I remember when I was a kid, 
Um, my mother was managing bands. Yes. And she had bands that you may have heard of, the Buckinghams. Oh, my goodness, 60s, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, and the the band that rehearsed in our house before they moved to L.A. was Chicago. Oh, my God. She One of my set, favorite all time. She set them up with their producer, James wow. Gershio, at the Chicago Teen Fair. Oh. They were in the Battle of Bands, and my mother found this guy at Navy Pier and dragged him over said, you got to hear these kids. That is amazing. Yeah. What a story. Oh, yeah. Is your mom still alive? No. Oh, because I was saying she should write a book. Yeah, I know. Well, I think I'm going to. Yes. Uh, my mother passed in 2020 with COVID. Oh, oh I'm so but sorry. She was ready. My dad was gone a long time from that, from from his his heart thing. And she was ready to see her husband again. I totally understand yeah. that. But her, what she did with Chicago, one of the best that I've ever seen was yeah. at Caesar's Palace. Oh, Chicago yeah. at Caesar's Palace. I mean, if if any of the listeners have not seen them live, it's yeah. it's amazing. When mom was eighty-seven, wow. You know, I'm I'm somewhat blessed. My grandmother was ninety-three. My grandfather was ninety-two. You know, in that era, in his late eighties. You know, Blessings the, for sure. Dad was really young, but that yeah. was what he did. That was his thing. He worked hard and played hard. Sure, I understand. You know, he was in the grocery industry, and those yes. business guys. Takes a lot out. Yeah. They did a lot of drinking back then. Oh, goodness. You know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us did a lot of drinking back yes, then, and now true. we don't. And so you've got twice a month, you got a lunch. Yes. Give them the name again and the location. Yeah, it's called uh, Bruce Marin Celebrity Speakers Entertainment. Business Luncheon, and it's a networking group, and uh, we have a lot of fun, and I bring in a lot of different guest speakers. Some are local media mm -hmm. people. I've had a lot of the Channel 8 media, and I'm in on and on, Chet Buchanan, on and on. And website for that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, BruceMarinsCelebritySpeakers.com, BruceMarinsCelebritySpeakers.com. Okay, and it's M-E-R-R-I-N. Uh, yeah, and then there's just an S on our website, Bruce yeah. Marin Celebrity Speakers. Uh, dot com. But and, John, you're you're amazing. And I want to thank you for coming in. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. Have a great, great week. Yes, drum roll, a drum roll for you. <laughs> thank you, John. And I thank you again, and I thank Honor. all of you for listening. And this is the podcast for The Morning Groove. You can find us at themorninggroove.transistor.fm. This is John Nashen. I've been here with Bruce Marin, and I want to thank you. Have a wonderful day, and be blessed, every one of you.